Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, glad you're with us. Happy Thursday. And write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. That's 800-941-SEAN. And we are loaded up today. I I am really looking forward to a debate coming up later in the program about this this idiotic, this insane policy at ESPN. Well, we're going to take the... The the great announcer, Robert Lee, off the UVA game because Robert Lee, well, with all the issues that are going on in the country right now, and we're talking about Robert E. Lee and taking down monuments and statues and all this sort of thing, you know, given the amount of attention in the media generated by, you know, one of the countless routine decisions of our local production team that they make every day, I wanted to make sure you have the facts. There was never any concern at any one at any level that Robert Lee's name would offend anyone watching the Charlottesville game, then why did they do it? It makes zero sense. So anyway, Spencer Tillman, great guy. Dan Bongino, great guy. They're going to be uh, debating that. Also, I'm sure, get into the issue of Colin Kaepernick later in the uh, program today. Uh, We've got Rick Unger and Jonathan Gillum as part of our debate. That's coming up uh, in the course of the extravaganza that we have on the program today. Also, more and more... 
newspapers now they're the weighing in now that you have these intelligence officials with like a collective hundred years of experience. I mean, Bill Binney alone has what thirty two four years in the NSA as you know one of our top intelligence guys, people of high position. Now that the nation, the Washington Times, Bloomberg, and other publications have all picked up on the fact that, no, we don't think it's Russia, and we have a reason why we don't think it's Russia, uh, that raises a, a huge narrative for the country and for Robert Mueller. And then to add to that, apparently Dana Rohrbacher meets with Julian Assange, who's the only one person that knows whether or not the DNC emails actually came from Russia. And apparently he's saying that he has proof that like he had said to me in five separate interviews that, in fact, he didn't have it. That raises then questions. Well, if it's about Trump and Russia, then we've got to ask ourselves a question. Why are we even why are we even investigating this anymore? And is Robert Mueller going to try and find out the truth and the facts on all of these issues or go further with it? So that's all coming up in the in the course of the program today. Um, one other thing on Colin Kaepernick before we we move any further their NBC News is reporting that apparently the the left wing news in this country, fake news, took a break from their constant Russia, 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 Russia. Oh, he's going to drop a nuclear bomb on North Korea, Korea, Korea. Race, race, racist, racist, racist. And they actually followed another story, this being about Colin Kaepernick. And apparently there's a a group that is showing their support. Now, the NFL suffered in the ratings last year. I would argue there's probably a couple of reasons. One is it was a, a highly contested election year. And I would, I'm would i just being honest. I know ratings, uh, that definitely had a, a part to play in it. And Colin Kaepernick and what was going on there offended many people. And as a result, people said, you know what? I don't, I don't feel like tuning into the NFL if this is what I'm going to see. And people, I, I, you know, I wish there wasn't a lot of politics and sports, but it is what it is. Colin Kaepernick is a is an American. He's free to do anything he wants. I believe in freedom of speech, full, complete freedom of speech. Anyway, NBC News reported there were hundreds of demonstrators in New York City at the NFL headquarters in New York City, which I never even knew existed in New York City, to show their support for Colin Kaepernick. He's, of course, the former quarterback now he did have one of the when he was with san francisco one of the greatest arms in the nfl an amazing athlete an amazing quarterback and so far this year kaepernick has yet to be signed by an nfl team ahead of this season and i'd argue the only way that he probably gets picked up by a team is if in fact somebody's quarterback or two quarterbacks end up getting injured on a particular team maybe somebody at that point might pick him up but i also would argue that is not performed at the level that he was performing at prior to all of this this political stuff that he's been involved in. But anyway, he's not been signed. And many in the large crowd outside the NFL offices were wearing Kaepernick jerseys, some of them held, holding signs calling for a boycott of the NFL or some reading, according to NBC, Black Lives Matter. And we're here because we believe that Colin Kaepernick deserves a job, said a Democratic strategist and political commentator, Simone Sanders at the start of the United We Stand rally. And we also believe the NFL has been complicit in ostracizing of Colin Kaepernick. And today it's time for the NFL to take a stand. And earlier on Wednesday, the NAACP, they sent a letter calling for a meeting with the NFL over Colin Kaepernick. I, you know, it's it's actually pretty a pretty amazing story when you think about it. 
And then they go on to say that and, you know, that they want to debate the issue of freedom of speech. Nobody's denying Colin Kaepernick and nor should they deny Colin Kaepernick the right to freedom of speech. But you, but that doesn't mean that you know, I would argue that in many ways, probably Tim Tebow, if you remember back when he played for Denver. And and look, I talked to other people. Look, my one of my best friends is is somebody you all know and love. And he's one of the great political commentator of uh, sports commentators of all time. And it's Stephen A. Smith. I can't tell you how many fights we have had, not only over Donald Trump, because he writes me all the time. I don't know. I don't know about Donald Trump. You're not getting it. You're not listening to me. But the same debate we had over, you know, somebody that that played quarterback for the Denver Broncos and and won a big playoff game for them, and that's a guy by the name of Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow, I, you know, many I think owners didn't want him to take a knee and and distract from the game in some ways. That's my own personal opinion. Now the Jets picked him up, and I felt they never used him the way he could have been used. Other people tell me, well, he's not the great quarterback that you like and think. I just think he's a great asset and a great guy, and I liked him personally, and I always wanted him to succeed. And I know how hard he worked off the field. I don't know how hard Kaepernick works off the field. I don't know if he's improved his game. I don't know if other teams have looked at him. I don't know. But, you know, are we going to are we gonna force the NFL teams to take on a player if if they don't? I don't know. I just I find it amazing that you can say, well, maybe they don't maybe they don't think he's good enough to play. A lot of people told me they felt that way about Tim Tebow. I disagree. People can have an honest disagreement. And Kaepernick didn't have his best years leading up to all of this. So it's pretty interesting to watch this get into the way of politics. I don't think, in my opinion, the NFL, I think most people tune in because they want to see a great game. And I think one of the things people love about watching NFL games is something pretty magical that happens at the end of games that a lot of people don't pay attention to. But you often see guys of all races, all backgrounds, get in a huddle before, after the game. But again, both teams, after they've been out on the field doing battle, and they, they give thanks to God that they're healthy and, and for the opportunity to play in the NFL. And I actually think it's such a great example that they set for a lot of kids in the country. Um, I disagree. I don't. I didn't like the socks that Colin Kaepernick was wearing, or his support of regimes that I don't support, like Castro, his anti-cop socks that he was wearing. I don't like his positions on the issues, and I don't think that my own personal opinion is that he's been an effective messenger by doing those things. But on the other hand, he can do whatever he wants, but teams also can do whatever they want here. You know, I had a very interesting experience I want to tell you about. So there is a liberal writer. I'm not going to mention him. I, I, I wrote him a note back. I said, please keep it off the record. So I'm going to keep him off the record. But it was very interesting and something that he said about me that I kind of want to share with you a little bit and that he actually saw that, and I, and I think it's a fundamental misunderstanding. He actually saw that I was saying things, and I had done it on Twitter, and I had done it on radio, and I had done it on TV, and I think he caught the TV version, if I'm correct. I don't really remember that when I talked about the Boston protesters, the 99% of them, that they were peaceful and that I applauded them for standing up against racism and hatred and bigotry, put it, putting aside, that's what they all were marching against. I don't know. I never even, I never got a chance to go back and see what happened 
I don't even know if the, the speakers ever actually got there. I was told there was like 14 or 15 of them. So, and I only saw a small clip of one of them, so I don't want to judge what was said or not said or what the rally was about or not about. I know how it was portrayed. I know what the mayor said, and I don't know what the speaker said, but the mayor was saying that it was a white sympathizer rally, and that's what the people were protesting against. And I said, well, I applaud that. And so this person caught me saying that, somebody that doesn't agree with me politically. And I just thought about why that would be I don't. It was almost like, well, this is really good of Sean Hannity, who I hate. He didn't say hate. That's too strong a word. Or, or maybe disagree with politically. And the note that I sent back is, I, I because I felt in my heart that conservatives really are not understood in this way, and I felt that the the impact of every two and four years of lies, propaganda, misinformation, distortions about who conservatives are and what we believe in probably contributed to a false impression. And I'm thinking if if a guy that is pretty hip and knowledgeable about politics, although wrong, maybe has this false perception about conservatives, then maybe other people have fallen prey to the the bludgeoning of what it means to be a conservative by liberals. Because the narrative they advance is not accurate, and it's not true, and it's not right, and it's not just. And so I went on to explain this, and and I talked about the fact that, yeah, we all love our country. The people that protested in Boston peacefully, the 99% and the 1% that didn't, the, the Boston police handled it masterfully. Per, it was textbook in terms of how they handled it. And they deserve all due praise and credit. And the mayor, who I probably never vote for, I don't know a whole lot about him, he handled it perfectly. And the protesters handled it, perfect, handled it perfectly. And I mentioned this one particular case where I saw this one young man that was walking through the, the crowd of demonstrators with a Make America Great hat on, and, and he did get his hat knocked off. But, but very, very quickly, expeditiously, the crowd immediately came to this, this young man's defense. And they said, no. No violence, leave them alone. And I saw another instance in another video where there were some of the few agitators and then other people that were there peacefully protesting came to this guy's defense. Because I guess he had a T-shirt on or something. I didn't get the whole story. But so it was the right thing to say. If people stand up against what is evil, racism, and white supremacy... Nazis and extremism or what they believe is that that is the right thing to do and they should be applauded it's not about politics at that point the police that handled it well should be applauded politicians unlike say the Charlottesville mayor and deputy mayor and Democrats and the Democratic governor Terry McAuliffe you know we see what happens if they don't do their job Terry McAuliffe just outright lied saying well that we were outgunned they weren't outgunned and then the police spokesperson corrected the record but and i thought every two or four years and i played this i think it's had an impact that there are people on the left that actually believe conservatives and republicans are racist sexist homophobic xenophobic and islamophobic and it's a lie it's a big lie and it's a political strategy and it's meant to bludgeon and hurt political opponents in their pursuit of power and conservatives that i know don't think like this and don't believe in this. Just like it's been unfair 
that the media never tells the whole story about Donald Trump. I'll get to more of this when we get back. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. Hey, in a recent survey of businesses, Express Employment Professionals asked, well, what is the primary reason open jobs are not filled? Lack of experience and lack of applicants. Well, that topped the list. Unless you're in the staffing business, well, you don't have the time, the resources to recruit candidates and sort through all of those applicants. Your locally owned Express office, they take the time to understand your workforce needs and they will connect you with skilled workers to meet your business demands. Now just go to ExpressPros.com to find the location near you. Now Express has more than 770 locations in North America. Now whether you need to add staff or peak seasons or you're just looking for new employees, Express Employment Professionals can customize workforce solutions for your very specific business needs. Now Express has jobs in manufacturing and accounting and customer service and sales and distribution and information technology. Now Express takes pride in connecting the right people with the right company. So let them help. They'll open doors for you. Go to ExpressPros.com right now. All right, so just to finish the thought, and so I think this this liberal had a false impression about what it means to be a conservative and who we are and what we believe and what our values are. And I pointed out, you know, I don't hear the left. Now, they claim they have a monopoly of compassion. But I don't hear the left talking about the 50 million Americans on food stamps and poverty out of the labor force, the 51 year low in home ownership rates, the doubling of our national debt, the failed record of liberalism, 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. You know it if you listen to this program regularly. I don't know, you know, not identifying radical Islamists is not the answer. It's a real threat. And it's not funny, as is North Korea and Iran. And the only thing I can think of is the reason for the shock and surprise is that this individual doesn't know who we are. And this person is brought into bought into a great lie about what it means to be conservative. They don't know. And, and in part, they have been fed this by a media and by power hungry politicians and by a political play and by a political strategy. And it's the same playbook every two years and every four years conservatives republicans the president now racist sexist homophobic xenophobic islamophobic misogynistic blah 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 and i don't know people in the conservative movement like that i never have nor would i accept them i actually mentioned to this individual you know what i would speak out if they ever did exist that i knew president's been speaking out montage after montage over the years, disavowing racism, bigotry, white supremacy and hatred again and again. No, they, they nobody in the media plays it but me. You know, or nobody knows the truth about Hillary Clinton praising Robert Byrd or J. William Fulbright, the mentor of William Jefferson Clinton, Southern Manifesto against the Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, both of them. So I think these people are so off the rails, they're never going to remember the forgotten men and women. I spoke out against the Catholic Church. I was raised Catholic when I saw evil that was being perpetrated there. They don't know and they don't want to know who we are.
You can't always get what you want, but you can get Sean Hannity online at Hannity.com. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Before we get to the other news of the day, um, I hope you pay very close attention. If you are looking in the Houston, Corpus Christi area, et cetera, et cetera, in Texas, Hurricane Harvey could be the worst hurricane in that area, which would have been Celia in 1970. Now, this is a major, major storm, and the impact is going to be pretty severe, according to, well, the official weather person of the Sean Hannity Show, our friend Joe Bastardi of weatherbell.com. You need weather? Weatherbell.com. How are you, my friend? And, you know, whenever you tell me to pay really close attention, I pay attention. And you were you were telling me now for the last few days, and here we are. Yeah, well, here's what's going on. I'm going to cut to quick because you do have a lot of news going on. Harvey um, is going to intensify very rapidly now, and it's something that we've been uh, seeing uh, for quite some time. In fact, our preseason forecast on May 12th said this would be the year that the hurricane drought ended because of the patterns in close to the United States. And you're noticing storms aren't really developing out near Africa. They're waiting until they get further west, like we saw with Franklin, even Gert, which went off the East Coast. But here's what's going to happen with Harvey. It's going to be a Cat 2 to Cat 3 tomorrow morning. And it will be located uh, tomorrow morning about 150 miles east-southeast of Brownsville. The landfall is coming near or just north of Corpus Christi as a Category 3 or 4 hurricane um, early in the morning on Saturday. Now, let me stress how important this track is. If this can hit up a little bit north of Aransas Pass, and, uh, you know, we got a lot of people Joe, there. Joe, you, you, you speak in terms that nobody understands. you got to give big cities so everyone gets you here. Uh, okay. Well, Corp- uh, Arantz's Pass, uh, I'm talking to our, our, our listeners in Corpus now on KKTX here. Um, if we can hit this north of Arantz's Pass, it could spare the city the worst of what will be at least as bad as Celia and perhaps even more. If you live in Corpus Christi and you went through Celia, that's your benchmark storm. That went from a Category 1 to a Category 4 in a period of 24 hours. If this storm, Sean, comes in just south of Corpus Christi, the way the bay is shaped and everything else, it's it's a disaster for Corpus Christi. As it is, there's going to be severe damage around that area. Well, I just want to make sure we're clear, because I take everything you say seriously. And and honestly, I give you a hard time the one one or two times over the years you might have been inaccurate, but you always give the best and worst-case scenarios. But in all honesty, when you say that it's going to be that bad, are you talking about Katrina-like forces here or close? Well, I, I don't know if we want to compare it to Katrina. We want it's a, if it, it's a different beast, and I'll tell you why. Let me get to the rest of the story. It stalls near Corpus, makes a tight loop around Corpus, and comes back out Ugh. into the Gulf of Mexico Ugh. Sunday night. Okay? Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Then it hugs the Texas Gulf Coast all the way up to the Golden Triangle, and what we're forecasting at Weatherbell Explain Weather the now, Golden Triangle so people know. The, that's Beaumont-Port Arthur. Beaumont-Port Arthur. Um, so, but it will pass maybe 15 to, 15 to 30 miles south of Galveston while it's doing this as a Category 2, 3, or 4 hurricane. Jeez. It may be a major hurricane on it its It just sits leg. there and goes up yeah. slowly. Yeah. So, so and here's a, here's a big problem around the Houston area. Uh, you will not get winds as bad as Ike. I don't, I don't think you'll get winds as bad as Ike. But you may have rains near Worse. or more than, yeah. than Allison. 
Allison, okay? And people in Houston know what I'm talking about, all right? For Galveston, here's a, here's a, uh, it's almost an unbelievable problem. It's something I outlined on our blog the other day. The storm surge comes as the storm is going by. The wind is coming from the southeast, piling water into Galveston Bay. In the meantime, all the water is coming down the rivers from all the heavy rain, the Trinity River and the San Jacinto River, and all these rivers are coming in, and, and they're piling water up. The storm goes by. The wind shifts to hurricane force out of the north. So what happens to Galveston is the bay side may take a hit as if a storm surge came from the ocean. You understand what I'm saying? Because if you've been to Galveston, you know the seawall protects the main part of the city from the ocean. But there's no protection from the back bay if the bay is enhanced with gulf water that's poured in and the rainwater. So we are looking at a situation and, I, you know, I don't want to overplay this, but I've got to say there's potential to cut off Galveston Island with this thing. And so we have to understand what we are looking at in the entire area. Now, Carla, in 1961, and, you know, I, I lived in Texas and people know. Well, my niece, you know, lives in, in Houston. And then I keep asking you what's going on, what's going on. I emailed her today and I said, you better take it seriously. Yeah, she's got to take it seriously. The Houston area, it's rain. There will be power outages in there. I think you're going to see 50, 60, maybe 70-mile-an-hour wind gusts in Houston. It's the coast that gets it. And Houston storm, folks, comes Monday into Tuesday, I think. This is Corpus's storm, Friday night, Saturday into Sunday, and then it works its way up along the coast. Is there, is there a reason this is happening? Is something strange? No, we see storms get caught and blocked all the time. There's going to be, two, but they do it out in the middle of the Atlantic, so no one even cares about it. This is getting blocked near the Texas coast, and there's going to be 20 to 30 inches of rain from Corpus all the way to Houston and on into southwest Louisiana, Lake Charles, and some of these places are going to get hit bad. If you think that is bad, if you think that's bad, when Hurricane Flora stalled over eastern Cuba for four days in 1963, 100 inches of rain at Santiago de Cuba. So the point of the matter is that what you are seeing is an event for the tropics. It's unusual for Texas, but it is certainly well within the realm of things that, uh, w w you know, when you, when you war game hurricanes and you start thinking about the worst-case scenarios, you think about things like this. Let me ask this question, and it's the practical question that I always ask you every time one of these issues comes up, and that is that, what advice do you give people now in specific areas to do? Because do you want some people to get out, some coastal people to get out? Do you think, you know, do you, I, I just like to give people practical advice because those are the questions I ask you every time you try and scare the crap out of me that something's coming here. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, Irene, Irene and Sandy, you, you know. Yeah, really, you, I mean, you, you have to remind me, right? You have to go right at yeah, me. Go all ahead. Right, all right. All right, but. But no, but the point you're... is, is that as I'm just telling everybody, Joe is rarely wrong. So that's why, you know, we love you so much. And I just want people to be prepared. Well, I'd like to think it was because of my good looks and personality. But no, and there's nothing. You I'm don't really... have good looks or personality. So there's, what's the point? Your son has all of that, all but right, you don't have right. any. Around the corp <laughs> that corpus area, <laughs> from Beeville North to, to Galveston Island, everything has to be locked down because you're in the warning area. Take the warning seriously. The further up the when coast you say lockdown, that means plywood, cover your windows, tape your windows, whatever you can get done, and whatever, what, yeah, whatever. The have food, water supplies, flashlights, radios, etc., and be prepared for flooding. Right, 
in those areas, whatever the local authorities are advising you do, that you folks further up the coast, the Houston, Beaumont, Port Arthur area, and even even Galveston, you will have to wait to see if this this scenario I'm outlining is correct. I believe it's correct now, but the weather the weather is very tough. If that happens, you will have a longer time to get prepared. But when this comes, it will be as serious a situation because of the combination of flooding and the track of the storm as anything you've probably seen. Remember, Ike came in, but Ike kept moving, went through Houston. Rita came in just to the east. This is raking the Texas coast. If, if, if what we're predicting right, folks, is a loop, comes to Corpus Christi, makes a loop, comes back out over the water, and then moves northeastward up just offshore and into southwest Louisiana. This is a prolonged siege that's going to occur, and something like this, is, is, I'm going to use the word, if this happens the way I'm describing it, it's going to have catastrophic effects from that coastal bend all the way up into the uh, southwest part of Louisiana and then flooding on up toward the Ohio Valley. So, and, you know, we may, we may even have to be dealing with Irma near Cape Hatteras, but that'll just be a lot weaker than what Harvey will So be, everybody's uh, going to be week. seeing this all over television until people in Corpus Christi and surrounding areas lose their power and those that don't have generators of any type. Um, yeah. just, just so when will we see the coverage then beginning? Um, I, know, I know, for example, Fox is beginning to cover it now, but yeah. we'll see wall-to-wall coverage when. Oh, that'll be tomorrow. There'll be wall-to-wall coverage tomorrow, and if I'm correct about the loop and back out over the water, there'll be wall-to-wall coverage Monday and Tuesday. All right, and so and the weekend listen, too. The, the, the weekend. Yeah, well, too, it's going to be all you know. weekend long, and then you're saying Houston get ready by Monday, right? Yeah, well, but Monday is Monday. Looking at the at the two, Monday morning weather map, I put the storm uh, maybe about the 200 miles south southwest of Houston. And then in the morning on Tuesday, I put the storm maybe uh, wow. 25, 30 miles south of Galveston. You know what scares me about you? And, and it's I, look, you're one of my best friends. I love you. I mean, you're just such a great guy. But what I love the most about Joe Bastardi, weatherbell.com, if you're going to follow it all weekend long, is your knowledge is encyclopedic. Your passion is infectious. The fact that you would go out there and, and follow storms and tornadoes, I, I like the little bit of nuttiness that you have. You also, for example, you know that I'm really into martial arts, and you're always telling yeah. me about great nutritional advice, and you're giving me great advice. Um, I think it's your nice way of saying you look fat on TV, so we want you to, to look no. a little bit better. But, uh, you know what? but I mean, when you get into something, you just own it. I mean, you own well, what you do, and I love the passion you have. Well, this is not so much different than training. You know, I just competed in the over-60 nationals in Pittsburgh in bodybuilding, and I'm still, I'm still competing and uh, your preparation, your passion, and your purpose all determine how things are going to turn out. And so and it's, the way I am in the climate fight is simply because my father taught me to look at everything that has happened before. So when someone tells me something, I can say well, no. Well, I mean, it's a real tribute. I mean, people don't know this story, and I'm, I'm spending way too much time with you, but I— but it's important. I mean, your father did this. You did this. Your son does this. Your son helped me out once. Uh, remember, I was looking for specific <laughs> weather information. And the amount of research that he sent me, I'm like, I, wait a minute. It was a really simple question. <laughs> but it was extraordinarily, you know, indicative of, of just the mindset of somebody that really cares about what they do. And that's why we love you. All right, listen, I'm gonna, we'll have you back on the air tomorrow. We'll update people on All the right. program then. Um, but I hope the people listen closely to what it is you're saying. 
And let's say you're off a little bit and maybe it's not quite as severe. That's a good thing. And you're also warning people about worst case scenarios so that they can make the proper preparations. They can be safe. Their families can be safe. You don't want people dying in these incidents. And a lot of people, I'm going to I'm going to tough it out. And, you know, I've, I've seen reporters nearly blown away over the years for crying out loud. They don't take this. Well, I mean, that's their job, but they don't take people don't take these things seriously enough. And uh, so I hope people will pay very close attention. I hope authorities pay close attention. I hope we don't have another situation where the authorities aren't prepared. They don't do their job. And and then people oh, end up ready. suffering. They're, they're going to be ready, Sean. They're going. Yeah. This is Texas. This is Texas. You're right. <laughs> well, but in all with all due respect, I mean, I I have a lot of respect for Louisiana, too. And they had very well, unique circumstances being below ground there, below the waterline and. And levees, the the weirdest thing about what happened with Katrina to me was with pinpoint accuracy, 30 years in advance, the Times-Picayune, perfect pinpoint accuracy, predicted every single solitary thing that would happen if a Cat 3, 4, 5 hit. uh, and I'll tell you why. If you look, I've said that a hundred times, Katrina is not the worst case. You get the 1947 track into New yeah. Orleans as a category three or four. You you can't stop it even today with what they've done. People don't understand that how vulnerable our coasts are. And the whole, the, the, I mean, when you look at what happened in Florida in the 1940s on the East Coast in the 1950s, it's almost as if there was an atmospheric apocalypse going on with the way hurricanes were just running the coast and they fell away for a while. They're coming back now. And of course, now we have to counter this agenda that it's because of a magic CO2 dust fairy that's throwing stuff in the air that's making it all happen. That's when another reason why before. why we love you is because you, you fight back with facts and information about this uh, global warming, global cooling, climate change hysteria constantly. Don't get me started. I can't get, you know why you know why I can't get you started you wait you wasted my whole half hour all I wanted was a quick weather report look what happened you you just stole my half hour it's unbelievable uh but I mean well, that in the best way all right we'll have you back tomorrow at around the same bat time right. same bat station and thank you so much for being with us 800-941-SHAWN Joe Bastardi weatherbell.com he's just an awesome guy and our thoughts and prayers are with the people down in the Texas area that are going to be impacted by this uh we love our Texas friends Somebody you know need a job? Express Employment Professionals. ExpressPros.com. Remember, job seekers never pay a penny. They never pay a dime. They never pay a fee. And that's because they want to put a million people to work every year, and they're working hard to do that. We do have some breaking news. you got a chief judge, Robert Morin, is uh, ruled that this L.A.-based hosting company must turn over data about visitors to a website that helped organize some of the protests of Trump's inauguration back in January, many of whom have since morphed into the Antifa movement. So we're going to follow that case as closely as we possibly can. It shouldn't surprise you, but the Daily Caller has a piece out today. The New York Times is begging Barack Obama to return to the national stage and and rescue America from President Trump. Anyway, the Times ran an opinion piece arguing Trump's leadership has left the nation in shambles and only Obama, the anointed one, can fix it. We'll we'll keep reminding people just how bad it was in the Obama years. All right, when we come back, The Nation, Bloomberg, Washington Times, and others. Was it not Russia, but DNC disgruntled Bernie people leaking to Wiki? Can you elaborate more on what the uh, 
DHS's uh, connection with the DNC was, or uh, consultation with the DNC was, after you became aware of the hacking, and they became aware of the hacking, uh, as to what was offered them, what they accepted, was there any level of cooperation at all? Um, to my disappointment, not to my knowledge, sir. Um, and this is a question I asked repeatedly when I first learned of it. You know, what are we doing? Are we in there? Are we helping them discover the vulnerabilities? Because this was fresh off the OPM experience. And there was a point at which DHS cybersecurity experts did get into OPM and actually help them discover the bad actors and patch some of the exfiltrations or at least minimize some of the damage. And so I was anxious to know whether or not our folks were in there. And the response I got was, FBI had spoken to them. Uh, they don't want our help. They have CrowdStrike, uh, the cybersecurity firm. And that was the answer I got after I asked the question a number of times over the progression of time. Now, that was, I assume, totally different from the reaction you got from OPM. Uh, the OPM effort, we were actually in there on site helping them uh, find the bad actors. Do you know who it was at the DNC who made that decision or who was making I don't. the resistance? No. No. Do you know if the FBI continued to try to help, try to assist? I have, uh, I've read in the New York Times about those efforts um, sometime earlier this year. Uh, let me just be very clear. At no point during my tenure at the DNC was I contacted by the FBI, DHS, or any government agency, or alerted or made aware that they believed that the Russians, a, a, an enemy state, was intruding on our network. At no point. And I am a member of Congress who had the ability to sit down and be briefed in a classified setting. Even Director Comey testified publicly that he wished that he had gone to the top of the organization. We're one of the two national political parties. It is astounding that when they had a member of Congress who was leading that organization, that no one felt it was any more important when we had a foreign enemy intruding on one of the two political parties' networks to do anything more than lob a phone call in to our tech support through our main switchboard. But how can both That's be That's outrageous. True? I mean, Secretary Johnson says that DNC rebuffed the help that they offered. You're saying that no one ever contacted you. <laughs> Respectfully, Secretary Johnson is, is, is utterly misinformed. That is simply not accurate. And much that has been, has been written about the timeline of events by the New York Times, the Washington Post, that document through multiple sources, including me, uh, that, uh, that the, the FBI and other federal agencies did virtually nothing to make sure that when they were aware at the point that they were aware that there was, or concerned that there was an intrusion on our network by the Russians, that they did virtually nothing to sound the alarm bells to make us aware of that. And they left, essentially, the Russians on our network for more than, for almost a year. Uh, our source is not the Russian government. So in other words, let me be clear. Russia did not give you the Podesta documents or anything from the DNC. That's correct. All right, that last one was my interview with Julian Assange, and there you had Jay Johnson, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Peter King of New York, who's actually a great guy. I just think he's a little too liberal lately. I give him a hard time when I see him, but he's a good guy. I've known him over the years as a congressman from New York. Um, here's what this is all about. You see, you have what's called the Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity Group. It's VIPs for short, okay? They have a theory that has been picked up 
by The Nation, by Bloomberg, by The Washington Times, and by many others. Now, remember, I've interviewed Assange five times, four times on radio, one time on TV. I was there last January. He keeps arguing that the people, and he'd be the one person on the face of this earth, he knows where the DNC emails came from. Why is that important? It's important because, okay, why is Mueller doing the investigation? What what is the investigation supposed to be about? Trump-Russia collusion. Now, we know it's expanded well beyond that in terms of its scope, and that's what I call investigative creep, and that's a big problem, and into finances and into, you know, at this point, who even knows where, where this is headed? And we don't like the makeup of what's going on with the people that Mueller is appointing, and that is eight people that that literally donated to Obama and donated to Clinton and donated to Democrats, but not Republicans. They don't have any Republican donors. Anyway, just to go on, now what they found is, and the findings by these researchers, as reported by The Nation, as reported by Bloomberg, as reported by The Washington Times, is that the forensicator and Adam Center, let me explain what this is, that that independent researchers that go by these pseudonyms, Forensicator or Adam Carter, and the former found that 1,976, I guess he called milli, what's the, metabytes, I guess, I don't even know what they call these, of Guccifer's files, Guccifer 2.0, were copied from a DNC server on July the 5th in just 87 seconds, implying a transfer rate of 22.6 megabytes per second, or if you convert that to a measure most people use, about 180 megabyte, megabits per second. All right, I'm not the most computer-savvy guy in the world. And anyway, a speed that is not commonly available from U.S. Internet providers. All right, remember, these people work at a whole different level than the rest of us. Downloading these files, they argue, this quickly over the Internet, especially you know in a way that most hackers would use, would have been all but impossible because the network infrastructure, they conclude, and I'm doing my best here to explain this in layman terms, through the through which the traffic would have to pass would further slow the traffic. However, as the forensicator pointed out, and this is all chronicled in these articles, the files could have been copied to a thumb drive, something only an insider could have done, at about that speed. Now, this is technical, but it's important. Now, this group, this VIPS group, or Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity group, well, they include 32, 34-year veterans of the NSA that have incredible, considerable technical experiences. Bill Binney is one of them. He's 32, 34 years. The agency's former technical director for world geopolitical and military analysis. Serious credentials. Edward Loomis Jr. He's the former technical director for the Office of Signals, in other words, signal intercept processing, as well as other ex-intelligence officers with equally impressive credentials. Now, that doesn't, of course, mean the group is right in terms of the analysis and finding the analysis on and on and on, but this is a very persuasive and fascinating thing because the implications are grave. In other words, there was never if there was never if it wasn't the Russians and it was disgruntled DNC people, the the that is the consequences of that, the media lying for all this time, conspiracy theories pushed for all this time, and so on and so forth. Mueller, why is he even there? He should close up shop. Now we have remnants. This is now reminiscent of Patrick Fitzgerald. So. 
Um, another former intelligence professional who examined it, Scott Ritter, pointed out that these findings don't necessarily refute that Guccifer's materials constitute the spoils of a hack. Anyway, joining us now with reaction, Kirk Wiebe is with us, former senior analyst. He also worked for the NSA and an NSA whistleblower, Brian Finch. He's the co-chair of cybersecurity practice at Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman. Welcome, both of you. And I know I'm not really good at describing this. How did I do, Kirk Wiebe? Hey, you did a fabulous job, Sean. You captured it. All right. Explain. You've read The Nation. The Nation was the first I saw that reported it. Explain to this audience what this means. Well, it simply means that we know relatively little about the entire matter surrounding the removal of uh, DNC emails from the DNC server in the summer of 2016. That said, and although a Russian hack of the DNC is not an impossibility, based on the preponderance of available evidence, it is almost certain the DNC event was a leak. You think it's a certainty? Uh, it's almost certain. Give me percentages. What do you think? Uh, my mind, about 97%. So that would mean everything we've heard about Trump-Russia, 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 collusion, collusion, collusion is a lie? Yeah. I, well, it's, it's uh, you know, been blown out of proportion. If someone would have said a possibility, most of us would have agreed. But when they say it is, it is, uh, without any shadow of a doubt, that is flat wrong. Absolutely wrong. What is your take? I mean, we call guys like, like you, Brian, white hat guys. In other words, you, you go into companies and individuals, and what you do is you basically try and hack them, and you find their vulnerabilities before others do. And we know identity theft is so big. You know, white hat hackers is what we call you guys. But you're the good guy. You're trying to help protect companies that they can keep their privacy. You've read these articles. You've seen their information. You know their background, their expertise, and their credentials. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I wouldn't call myself the most qualified white hat hacker in the world, if you ask my. Well, case, you're you're, you're pretty good with. at it. Don't listen. You can <laughs> diminish your your credentials all you want, but you are pretty good at this. Let's be honest. Well, I, I appreciate that, Sean. Thank you. I still struggle to get my router to reach my Xbox, but I, I think from <laughs> from a lawyer's perspective, uh, you know what what this evidence or what this indicates is that. There are multiple plausible explanations out there with respect to who leaked the emails from the DNC. And more importantly, you know, despite what Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz had to say uh, with respect to cooperation with the Federal Bureau of Investigation or the Department of Homeland Security, DNC made this much harder for itself. Well, they wouldn't let the FBI maybe, even look at their computer systems. Now, who says no right. to the FBI? And uh, then I, we have I the issue of this. I advise my clients to do that. Uh, whenever we get the opportunity to work with FBI or Secret Service, we welcome them in. Because they're the, they're, we've got to assume they're the best at what they do, right? And that they're... If, Absolutely. Right. Plus, there's the fact that at the end of the day, if there's been a criminal activity, they're the ones who are going to prosecute it. Here's my next question. Does it, we all know what happened when the WikiLeaks reveal came out. Now the next question... Logical question is, do we tie this, Kirk, we be in any way or do we, would you in your mind tie it or at least be suspicious of what this 
this guy, this this IT specialist and this family that made all this money from the from Democrats overbilling former McDonald's worker, former car dealer guy, and then government computers and hard drives busted up in his garage. Yeah, it's it's uh, it gets murky. And, and and with the uh, recent uh, uncovering of the guys who were working for Debbie Wasserman Schultz, I mean, all these avenues are opening up. None of them are giving us answers. What bothers me the most, though, Sean, is that the government could have disclosed evidence by now showing us that our thinking is wrong, and it hasn't. Do you know in 80, 1983... Well, well, I, I want you to hold that thought. Don't don't go anywhere because that's an important. You're, you're saying that the government already knows this part. Rush Trump, Russia, Trump collusion. You're saying that they already know. Yeah, I think they know. And they wouldn't tell the American people. Well, I think they can't tell the American people. And what I want to contrast is President Reagan disclosed the intercept of the KAL shootdown in 1983 on the floor of the United Nations to right. prove what the Russians did. Stay right the there. We'll take a we'll take a break. Well, and with that, we have all those people saying we have no evidence, no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. But the media still went with it. All right. And I don't know the answers to these questions, but. You know, when the nation, the Washington Times, Bloomberg and people with those credentials are saying this, I'm suspicious. I want answers. The American people deserve the truth and they deserve answers. And asking questions is a good thing for the country. All right. As we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Brian Finch, Kirk Wiebe is with us. All right. So 97 percent, you think it was a DNC disgruntled Bernie person. Am I getting that right, Kirk? Yeah, that's my belief, Sean. And you believe the government probably knows the truth, but they're not telling us. Does Donald Trump know the truth? Well, let's put it this way. It's either that they won't tell us the truth or they don't have any evidence to support their claim and they don't want to embarrass themselves. All right. So then the next logical question is, why don't they dig deeper? Why don't they get to the truth? That is a good question. Because I don't know the whole truth. All I know is these are really respectable, credentialed people. Don't you you think, Brian Finch? I do. I I absolutely do. What did you think when you read it? Let me ask that. What did you think when you read the Nation piece? Well, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, I thought it was a remarkable remarkable collection of sources here. You've got the left with the nation, the right with the Washington Times, and basically the center with uh, Bloomberg here. So this is not just some partisan or outlandish uh, conspiracy theory, uh, as, as you said it was not earlier. It's, it's certainly something that needs to be followed up on. And when I read the story... Uh, about, you know, the possible insider theft of these emails. It's as plausible as anything that's out there. I think it deserves equal weight in terms of the investigation. And more than anything else, Sean, it just reinforced my personal belief that, look, we know Russia tried to impact the election in some way, shape, or form, but to allege collusion between the Trump campaign and and the Russian government is just more denial on the part of the folks who are anti-Trump. Real quick, I'm running out of time. Do you think that the nation really believes they've got this nailed? That's why a left-wing publication did this, because they're sending a signal to all their friends that have gone out so far on the limb and are wrong. Are they trying to say something with this piece? 
I think there's there's certainly a lot of anger under, at the Washerman Schultz uh, and uh, the way the DNC was run for years and ignored and and in their minds really uh, put. Could the this turn out to be the standards. biggest me- media lie ever? Boy, there's been a lot of them. I would put it up there. I'd have to sit and think about. <laughs> this is my, at the top, uh, though. My, my collection of uh, right. the collection of lies that have been out there, but it. We got to roll. I I love you both. Wish I had more time. you the latest breaking news when he hits the air. This is the Sean Hannity Show. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. My nurse came back to the room, found me with my bloody swollen lip, and we left immediately and came home. He uh, uh, was getting ready and went to the door, and there I, there I sat on the bed, just devastated. And he goes to the door, casually puts on his sunglasses, and says, you better get some ice on that. She held on to my hand, and she said, do you understand everything that you do? I mean, cold chills went up my spine. That's the first time I became afraid of that woman. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. She didn't even stand up for the women that knew what her husband did, and she knew what her husband did to those women. She, there's no way that she did not know that. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. We will destroy you, is what they said to me. Who said? My brother said it on behalf of Billy when he was campaigning for him in 1992. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. Bill, you're in any danger? And at this point, people threaten you? I used to. You used to think that you were in physical danger? Really, really. Yeah, I was. I was very scared. I was horribly, horribly threatened. And, And people don't know that story. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. Did you see what happened to Jennifer Flowers? Mm-hmm. Did you see what was happening to Paula Jones? My allegation. Yes. No, not afraid. I just, I just knew what would happen. This is not okay, I thought. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. Back up, you creep. Get away from me. If I ever had to meet her in person... It would be very hard for me not to walk up and smack her. <laughs> I know that sounds mean. I mean, she put me through a lot at 12 years old. I mean, I had to go look through this window and, and ID these guys. Hi. 
am sick and tired of people who say that if you debate and you disagree with this administration, somehow you're not patriotic. And we should stand up and say we are Americans and we have a right to debate and disagree with any administration. All right. That Hillary Clinton's new uh, book and her latest excuse about why she lost. It's not the first time she claims that somebody invaded her space. And she said it about Rick Lazio. Her new book is called What Happened? But, of course, the only person not to blame is her. Back up, you creep. And then the women you heard from Paula Jones and Kathleen Willey and Dolly Kyle and Juanita Broderick. Um, Hillary was silent in all of those instances and a very, very severe statements made about her husband. And may I add that the Clinton Foundation did take money from Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates and and uh, Kuwait and Oman and Qatar and Algeria and Brunei and Saudi Arabia. You know, women can't drive and are told how to dress and gays and lesbians are killed. Women can't travel abroad. They can't work unless they get permission. And uh, gays and lesbians are killed and Christians and Jews persecuted. And in the UAE, well, let's see, they have a law that states women have a right to work without being held disobedient. That's nice. And the penal code in the UAE gives uh, men the legal right to discipline their wives and their children, including physical violence. And in Kuwait, uh, women have been denied the right to become public prosecutors and judges. They don't have the same rights as men to obtain nationality for even their spouses and kids. And there's no laws prohibiting domestic violence, sexual harassment or marital rape. And I can go on from there, but I don't want to put Rick Unger in too big a hole. Rick Unger joins us <laughs> of the Steel and Unger show. Jonathan Gillum is with us. Well, what, how are you going to wiggle out of this one this week? I, I, I'm just, I, you know, I obviously right. didn't get the memo. I thought the election was over, and you're still litigating. No, no, Hillary no, no. no. You don't get to dodge by saying the election is over. What Hillary's judge? Hillary's I mean, release came out yesterday. Therefore, it is news when she's saying, oh, yeah. during the debate, I said, oh, he is in, invading my space. Back this up, you is creep. not well, okay, was, I thought. This is not okay. It was incredibly uncomfortable. So I think it brings he was literally breathing right, down my neck. So that brings up issues about whether or not Hillary's, you know, tr- you know, support of those countries and taking their money and all these other women. She remains that's, silent. That's, whether that's quite a leap that it brings up those. I issues. don't think so, Jonathan. You know, do you I, think that's I've a leap? Been, I, I've I've debated elite. I don't know what that I've means debated. when he's saying that's elite. No, he said it's a leap. <laughs> I, I oh, have debated often, and I've had men get into my space and turn to them and said, "A little room, please." What does that mean? What's Every that time you get near me, I say, "Can I, I have some space, please?" Every yeah. time you come near and me, so I say, "Back must, up, you, you creep!" Must support, you <laughs> yeah. must support the United Arab Emirates and all those other places you listed. Well, why would you take money from countries that abuse women, kill gays and lesbians, and persecute Christians and Jews? I wouldn't take money from them. Would Actually, you? No, I actually wouldn't take money from them. Oh. So, so I guess even though Donald Trump really might have gotten close to her during a debate, lost, what's wor- wait a minute? What's worse, the way Donald Trump might have gotten close to her during a debate, or the fact that she took money from countries that abuse these groups? Gee, we could probably wind that logic out forever. If we're no, I don't really think links. so. But I, like, I, I, I it's a really simple like question, Rick. I, I don't. I'm going to answer it. I don't like that she took money. I don't like that the Clinton Foundation took money from those countries and then turned. Around All right, I just want a big bet with Linda because I said you're going to say that got to do with it. I said to Linda, uh, Jonathan, I said, he, uh, Unger's going to dodge duck, and then he's going to say, well, I don't agree with that personally. That's what I, t- I predicted he'd say it. 
Well, first off, let me say that I feel the exact same way when I first met Rick Unger. I was like, come on, you're breathing on me. Back up a little bit, Unger. No, I'm just kidding. Unger's a great guy. But but seriously, um, that that's one of the good things about Unger is that he does eventually admit what is real. And, and uh, But I think, you know, the thing with this Hillary, the whole Hillary Clinton thing, sometimes I wonder if they are just doing these things to, to remain um, – in the news to remain it could because they subscribe to the Saul Alinsky tactic of just be out there make noise so that people continue to remember your name and then when you get a chance to start slamming the enemy that's what you do and that that's this whole Saul Alinsky tactic just remain uh, relevant Somehow, maybe I'm more cynical like with you you know what my analysis is yeah. I, I just think that, that book my analysis I think yeah. the Clintons just when it, they just want to get every penny and milk this this their public you know positions dry it's like there's nothing they won't do well that's closer at least they would it's so nefarious she wrote that book because she got a ton of money to write the book, like all people who write books, they would get a you bunch ever of money? Would you ever do an audio book like Hillary? I felt he was invading my space. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> would you ever do that? <laughs> so now we're dead. Would I do an audio book? Sure, I do an audio book. If somebody wanted an audio book from me, who wouldn't? But I mean, I, you don't <laughs> yeah. like the reading. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? I, so she's not. Right, let me move on to a, a more serious issue. Turn? Let me play what a, part of what I did in my monologue last night, and that is, and I, I've I've made the prediction last week that the whole issue would have started in Charlottesville. It doesn't matter how many times, how many ways that Donald Trump says, and he said it in '91 with Larry. King and he said it to Matt Lauer 20 years ago and he said it all throughout the campaign and he said it ever since Charlottesville but it doesn't matter the left wants to bludgeon him politically and the left wants to portray every conservative Republican and, and this president is racist for example this is the president disavowing denouncing racism white supremacy for the evil it is what do you see as the biggest problem with the reform party right now well you've got David Duke just joined a bigot a racist a problem. I mean, this is not exactly the people you want in your party. I totally disavow the Klu Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. David Duke announced his Senate candidacy, claiming your agenda for his own, or essentially saying, glad that you spoke out. Are you ready before you yeah. ask the question? Newt Gingrich said every Republican should repudiate this guy I no did. matter what it takes. And I do. Are you ready? Rebuked. Is that okay? Rebuke. Rebuke. Done. Done. Okay. How do you feel about the recent endorsement from David Duke? I didn't even know he endorsed me. David Duke endorsed me? Okay. All right. I disavow. Okay. And I don't mind disavowing anybody, and I disavow David Duke. And they heard me very easily disavow David Duke. How would you characterize in more words than one uh, David Duke? Uh, David Duke is a bad person who I disavowed on numerous occasions over the years. Just to put it clear, I disavowed him in the past and I disavow him now. I've rejected David Duke. Rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. From the time I'm five years old, I rejected them. Mitt Romney says your coddling of repugnant bigotry is not in the character of America. Your response? Yeah, David Duke and all were disavowed. I disavowed him on Friday. 
I disavowed him right after that because I thought if there was any question, and you take a look at Twitter, almost immediately after on Twitter and Facebook, they were disavowed again. All right, because I'm running out of time, let me just give a quick headline answer from Rick Unger, then i got to take a break. You get the point, I assume. You must, you must, you must, yeah, but you must have a little more time to play the audios where the president, uh, when he wasn't the president yet, told us he had no idea who David Duke was and how it took him all that time to get to the point. No, what, 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 wait a minute. Said, I, that's oh, not I my interpretation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is, I don't know this guy. I mean, that's what he was saying. I have no idea who David Duke is. You should play the tape. You must. Have I have the, the tape, tape. But, it, but I interpreted it. it differently than you did, Jonathan. How did you play interpret it? I interpreted it as though he does, he's saying he doesn't know him. Not exactly he know who he is. He doesn't know. He doesn't know him, and that's the point. I guess there weren't enough dings in there for Ring uh, for Rick. We'll take a for Ring. We'll take a quick break. Come back and continue. <laughs> hey, you sent a message to the media political elites last fall. You sent it loud. You sent it clear. You want economic policy focused on the middle class, hardworking Americans, not the political class in D.C. Your lives, not theirs. Now, the message it didn't get through to the swamp people and the media people, and they've pretty much been working nonstop since Election Day. They want to overturn your election and undo your vote. And you see it this summer. you got these Democratic activists with the media's help. They're trying to overturn the election of a duly elected president here, and they're trying to inundate and even attack good people like Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan and other Freedom Caucus members. Now, I want you to go to this website, one word, stopignoringmyvoice.com. One word, stopignoringmyvoice.com. Go there now. Find out what you can do, why you voted for less money going to D.C., more money in the pockets of hardworking taxpayers like you. You want tax cuts. You want to drain the sewer, the swamp that is D.C. You want Republicans to keep their promises. So don't let the mainstream media, the left, steal your voice or your town halls. Go to stopignoringmyvoice.com. One word, stopignoringmyvoice.com. We'll continue. Next, our final roundup and information overload hour. As we continue, Rick Unger is with us along with Jonathan Gillum. And uh, all right, Rick, I'll give you a chance. But I mean, you know, the media, except for me, I don't know one person in the media that played the president year in, year out, as many times as he has denouncing white supremacism again and again. And David Duke and the Klan again and again and again. I don't know how he could have denounced David Duke all that time because his quote was, I don't know any, honestly, I don't know David Duke, which would speak to your interpretation. I don't believe that I have ever met him. That could speak to your interpretation. I'm pretty sure I didn't meet him, and I just don't know anything about him. Well, if he doesn't know anything about him, why would he be denouncing He just knows he's the former Klan white supremacist guy. Okay. Yes, he uh, was. You know what? You're, you're making my point, Jonathan, and I just— No, uh, I don't think so. No, I do. I, I really believe I'm right and you're wrong. Shocking. Jonathan? 
No, you know, I, this splitting of hairs that that happens on the left is, is, well, it's in politics in general, but when the president says that he doesn't know David Duke and he doesn't know anything about him, things like that will get spun up by people like Don Lemon, CNN, where they just go crazy on this soundbite. And people really have to stop looking at these soundbites because what you just played was a montage of disavowing, telling people that he understands who he is, but he doesn't know him. And people don't take the full content, and we're stuck on these sound bites in this country by... Well, that's the point. Really I, I played 50 things, and Rick, you know, goes to one thing yeah. that can be interpreted wait, wait, wait. both ways, and it's huh. it's so we fundamentally just, unfair, that. and this is what happens we, every two and four years. We just listened to an entire three minutes of soundbites. And I've got Hillary more. Clinton, we didn't finish and, it. And now, I'm sure you do. And now, you're, and now Jonathan's saying we're splitting hairs by actually listening to something the president said. Don't do that. That's, that's splitting hairs. <laughs> you're, you're listening. You're judging off a one single soundbite when there's there's uh, tons of them. You think the president's racist, Rick, Rick Unger? Do you think the president's racist? Actually, I don't because I've never met the president. I think the president has been a little too supportive of people I do think are racist. Oh, good. How has he been supportive of racist? Well, that's a, I think you know. You mean because I he says I want to vet people answer. and build, do you think saying you want to vet people and build the wall is racist? No, that wasn't what was in my head at all, actually. I never so, know. Nobody could ever no. figure out what's in that head of yours. I mean, I know. It's <laughs> very difficult. But right. uh, no, I would, I, you know, it's hard for me to accuse somebody of as being a racist. I'll well, I think what, I, there's I only, how many more times does he need to disavow to make the left, you know, realize that he's not? And, and how many times does he need to say they're evil and repugnant and disgusting? Well, and, you know what, Sean? It's and he did praise the, the protesters in Boston, peaceful protesters. It's, it's not just this, it's not just a concern of the left. You know, you might have been able to say that a month ago. I don't think you can say that anymore. The, the never Trumpers are, the never Trumpers have always been out there just waiting to say, see, we were right. And then there are those very rational, reasonable people like throughout America who don't identify, they don't identify as left or right, and they don't like what they heard and saw either. Uh, but but he said he didn't like what he saw. He said it again and again. That's my only point, and nobody in the media plays it. But, all right, I got to roll. Rick Unger, thank you as always. Jonathan Gillum, when we come back, we got a really powerful debate. You don't want to miss this. We're going to check in with Spencer Tillman and also our friend Dan Bongino on why did ESPN take Robert Lee off the air? 800-941-SEAN is our number. We'll continue. So, you know, I love sports. Um, my only regret this weekend, and I really, 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 really would love to go see Mayweather and McGregor. Uh, I, You know, I'm a big MMA fan, and he can't be an MMA fan and not be interested in how this all plays out because... 90% of what McGregor does, all of his martial arts are off the table. All of his kicks are off the table. All of his submission holds are off the table. But with that said, you just have a little bit, and there's, and there's, there's nobody better in boxing, as, as evidenced by Mayweather's record, of avoiding getting hit. I mean, you know, I, I love and admire his success, but I wish he'd, he'd get in there and fight a little harder and a little more. And, you know, to his credit, he's a smart boxer. Um, anyway, so I wish I could do that. I'm a big sports fan here. So there is this ESPN play-by-play guy, Robert Lee. And I mentioned this yesterday. I am just amazed at sports broadcasters. I wish I could do what they do. I can't. And I, I mentioned, for example, the NHL. If you watch NHL networks, if if you watch NBC Sports, and they've got every NHL night, rivalry night on the NHL, um, 
And you, you just listen to, you know, this guy Emmerich, who's the broadcaster, he's so amazing. I'm like, how does he possibly do this? On the drive from Craig to score! Just went to the outside. Thrown in front, penalty, score! Lost it, poked away by Marshawn. Dances to the outside, takes his own pass. Marshawn along in front, score! Now you can just hear, and it doesn't matter in the case of, it's sort of like radio broadcasting, although he's on television, uh, Doc Emmerich, and... I, I'm just—it's really hard to follow hockey play by play like that, it, and he does it so well. Anyway, I was very aware of who Robert Lee was, and he was scheduled to do the UVA home opener, and then the USPN president decided to send out a memo, and they had had a meeting, and they decided because his name is Robert Lee, he happens to be an Asian American, it shouldn't matter. He's a great broadcaster. The guy's amazing. And they said, well, because your name is Robert Lee and we have the monument issue and we're debating whether or not to take. And of course, they're talking about Robert E. Lee. Well, we're going to put you on a different broadcast. And I'm like, this is the single dumbest thing I think I've ever heard in my life. And just listen to what a great broadcaster Robert Lee is. Hey, Robert Lee, Nate Ross back with you. Asheville controlled that first half lead for about 15 and a half minutes. Have matched their biggest lead, six points here at halftime. Led, as always, by Ahmad Thomas, 12 points in 12 minutes. Final five and a half seconds. They get it in for Teague. He starts up the court with three. Teague trying to get the shot away. He will. He'll hit it. Thomas, pull hammer at home! Winthrop timeout, a 6-0 run has tied the game! First and 10 from the 35, pump fake, throw wide open! You open, he's got it for a touchdown! Brandon all right, reason was all I grew board. up loving the radio. My parents, it wasn't shut off the TV, it was turn the radio off. And I was up late at night and I listened to the radio. It drove my parents nuts. They'd try to steal my radio and I'd find another one. Um, and he's, could you imagine all of that is extemporaneous? All of, you got to know the players, you got to know the names, you got to go to the 25, the 20, the 15, the 10, you know, touchdown and make it exciting. And they do. It is one of the most gifted, incredible skills. To do this is insanity. Anyway, here to get some opinion on it, my good friend Spencer Tillman. He's the lead studio uh, analyst for College Football Today, CBS Television Network pregame halftime uh, studio show. Former running back, by the way, eight seasons with the Houston Oilers at the time and San Francisco 49ers. Dan Bongino's with us, former Secret Service agent, NYPD, also contributing editor of Conservative Review. Welcome uh, both of you back to the program. Hey, Great John, to be here. Be with you. Spencer, you you know my love of sports, and I I don't know if you've always known my love of sports broadcasters, but I'm fascinated with them because I can't do what they do. Yeah, you do. You do it every single day. (laughs) No, not what they do. I don't have to identify everybody's name and be able to pronounce it right. Yeah, but you say what you see. Nobody is so deft with understanding the names of politicians that the movers and the shakers in this business. It's not the same. You're being a friend. It's not the same, Spencer. It's much different. It's harder. Yeah, Um, it's real time. It's faster. No question about it. It's faster. Yeah, no question. 
It's a skill. Look, you have the skill. You, you're an amazing broadcaster. And Dan Bongino, he's filled in on this program. He's an amazing broadcaster. And I'm looking, and I, you. I, you knew who, who Robert Lee was before this. I knew who Robert Lee was before this. Maybe a lot of people didn't. I don't know. I think he's, I think he's pretty popular, actually. And, you know, and then they pull this move. What was your reaction, Spencer? Well, listen, I never, I try to refrain from commenting on what other networks do at the bottom, because it's just courtesy more than anything else. But generally, it is an overreaction to society. You know, we're so politically correct. And, and I get frustrated because we're not tackling the real issues. We're dealing with these ghosts and perceptions of what are the, the real issues. And so I'm disappointed in any network, anyone, any, any leader, any uh, administrator that would make that call, whether it happened at the regional level or the network level, as we're learning in these, uh, these days after the event. Um, it doesn't really matter. The sentiment if you're in charge of a responsibility of making those kinds of choices at any level, you got to have a worldview. you got to have a sense of history and understand what matters, and that has to filter in your choices that you make. So I'm disappointed that the people who are responsible for being the pathway or the conduit through which we see such an important aspect of our community that is sport uh, through our daily lives, I'm disappointed that they didn't exercise better judgment in that regard. But it doesn't you, you are you are so diplomatic and so nice, which goes no, which goes to the listen. If everybody anybody that knows you, that's who you are. I get it, and and it's you're just a nice person. You know, one of my favorite sports opinionated sports commentators is, and he's a good friend of this program and of mine. And I'm jealous because he's going to be at the Mayweather McGregor fight. He's covering it. Is Stephen A. and yeah. And I just worry that Stephen A. one day because ESPN is so quick to fire. Somebody says something controversial. Oh, my gosh. Gee whiz. We can't. It's like we we, we feign this outrage um, when people give strong opinions. And I'm like, I love strong opinions. Bring it on. Let's hear it. Let's have a, a solid debate about it. Well, my, my opinion is this. It's like Bill Walsh used to tell us when I was with the 49ers, complexity and preparation, simplicity and execution. You've got to spend a lot of time knowing your history, knowing the games, as the case may be. We're talking about sportscasters, controversial issues. You better do a deep dive before you make that kind of choice and that decision. That's all I'm saying. I'm disappointed that they didn't do a deeper dive. That was a superficial knee-jerk reaction response to a situation. See, we keep Spencer on long enough. He's going to open up, and he's opening it up now, and it's coming <laughs> flying out. Uh, let me go to my, my buddy uh, Dan Bongino here. And I guess it also raises issues of Colin Kaepernick. We'll get to in a second. But what is your take, uh, Dan? Yes, Spencer is. He's a gentleman. I really admire his restraint. Unfortunately, I don't have that kind of control. No, if we this keep him on an hour, he'll be. It'll be flying off the handle. It's going to be great in an hour. If you put two, you, know you give him. You give him two beers. It's even going to be greater. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Get those inhibitions down. No, and listen. This is this is peak liberal craziness. I mean, we've reached peak insanity, Sean. I swear, when I on my life, when I saw this story, I was watching Fox. And it came up on my life. I thought it was a joke. I thought Tucker I was know, that's something so fun. like it's sad. It's funny story about a, about a fake Trump tears thing. And I thought <laughs> I, I said to my wife, Paul, I go, Paula, this is so funny. Listen to this stupid story. They kicked an Asian broadcaster off because he shares the name of the Confederate general. And my wife goes, Dad, this is true. Like this is I'm just I'm <laughs> yeah, I it know. I said, you can't believe it. Just, you know, it's funny because you and I. Yeah. There's so much fake news out there. There's a story that I spent at a Trump hotel like 40 
two or seven thousand dollars, and I made them fly in a seventy-year-old lobster. And, and another story that said I died in a bicycle accident. And I'm, I'm like, where does this crap come from? I don't blame you for thinking it's fake news. No, when your livelihood is what we do, which is picking apart liberal silliness, even us, we were like, no, come on, this can't be real. I, I know, it just, it's funny. To, it just goes to show you this one, here's the takeaway, that liberals have America believing right now that a fringe portion of America, not all Democrats, but literally the fringe left of the far left, that that is a position widely held. And that is what scared ESPN to the point where they removed an Asian-American broadcaster for fear of associating him with a Confederate general dead more than 100 years. It is literally insanity. Like, yeah. insane. Crazy. You know, all right, guys, I, I, hate to, I hate to stop any good debate. Stay right there. We'll continue. All right, as we continue Sean Hannity's show, we continue with Spencer Tillman and Dan Bongino. Let me, let me throw this at you. Um, and I am a huge free speech advocate. And mm-hmm. I, Colin uh, Kaepernick, uh, he was one of he he was on track. He had a trajectory, I thought, to be one of the best quarterbacks from the NFL ever. I mean, his arm is phenomenal. And I watched this whole thing unfold last year, and he has every right. And frankly, I respect that he he knows he's going against a lot of people's beliefs, and he's standing out there on his own, and he knows the consequences, and he's willing to stand up for what he believes in. I have no problem with that at all. But then when teams don't want to hire him, you know, I understand their decision as well. Thoughts? Yeah, well, the NFL is a private organization, right? It's private ownership. Uh, it has the league that is its face and represents it. But those individual 32 teams can do whatever they want to do. I remember famously, um, it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it was Vince Lombardi who was concerned about some things that were happening in Green Bay. It was one of the major establishments at the time would not allow African-American players to stay at the hotel. And Vince Lombardi went over and had a conversation with the man. He said, hey, look, I will die for the right for you to do what you want to do with respect to who stays in your hotel. However, I will also exercise the right for anyone within the Green Bay Packer organization not to patronize your place. And he did that with the same type of respect. But he did it with respect and discipline. What I think Colin Kaepernick's problem didn't was. Didn't the L.A. Dodgers, didn't the Dodgers, sorry, the Dodgers do that, um, not L.A. at the time. Didn't the Dodgers also Brooklyn, do that with yep. Jackie Robinson? Absolutely. And see, those types of statements, however, even though it was an internal one, and it was obviously happening during the time we didn't have Twitter, and it couldn't have gotten blown up the way that it, it, this story does here today, what it speaks to is the respect and an awareness. Vince Lombardi literally went there. I just think the optics of Collins' efforts were wrong from the beginning. And then I'm going to be difficult here and speak what most people don't speak. Today, culturally, if you've got a big afro, most people, black or white, aren't mature enough to look past the image and impression of what that represents. And they will take a snapshot of it, and then it becomes representative of what they believe you're really all about. Even though your message may be pure, it may be just, it may be right, the optics just do not look right. Is it the, but, live- but, Spencer, is it the optics? Because I actually think the 90-whatever percent, I can't put a percentage on it, I think are good people that, that judge their fellow man as created by the same God and by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. Now, yeah, there are ignorant, bigoted, racist, hateful, evil white supremacists. There are evil yep. people in this world. But I don't think people look at Kaepernick from a from a 
a visual standpoint and say they're against Kaepernick. I, I, I think he was well-loved and idolized and adored by fans. I think it's position more than looks, no? Well, there, there's the thing that we don't know. In a private room without consequence, how many people would object to that or maybe show a sense? Look, our, our last election is a classic case of it. The moral majority actually didn't speak loud enough during the race, everyone thought, the pundits thought, even many conservatives thought that Donald Trump had no way of winning that. That's the part that you don't know. But again, it's in that private room without consequence. Then when it happens and then the actions define it, then we know what people perhaps were thinking, or at least we can make that assumption. I wanna, so, yeah, let me get yeah, Dan's reaction to that. Dan. Yeah, well, Sean, I, I don't have any respect for Colin Kaepernick at all, and I have no problem saying that. And I don't think this is a principled stand either. Is it about looks? Is it about his no, what he does on the field I, and his stand he's taken? Listen, I, I, I couldn't care any less about what the guy looks like. You want to take a principled stand, get your butt off the bench, get off your knees and go volunteer in a soup kitchen and donate tens of millions of dollars to some cause that matters to you. You know, Sean, I... Listen, people go after you, and this isn't some, like, stupid butt-kissing moment, but I know what you do behind the scenes for the vets because it matters to you. You want to take a principled stand? Get off your ass and get out there and go do something and donate your money, you joker, because by him doing this and disrespecting the country and smacking everybody in the face like the clown he is, you know what he's doing? He's taking down the NFL and all those other hardworking people with him, guys who really need this job. Not everybody in the NFL is a multi-billionaire. He's a disgrace. And this is well, an embarrassment to America. Let me, let me just doing. say this. I, I disagree 100% where you're coming from. I think he's not a clown. I think he's a thinking young man. He has made some optical moves that were not the best. Uh, he is getting good counsel from people like Dr. Harry Edwards and others that understand history. The guy is actually trying to make a principled statement about something that is a very real about issue what? that we've not dealt with in this nation. Uh, about about what? Spencer, what is he making a principled statement? Let me explain to you. If you'll be quiet for a minute, I'll explain to you. The historic marginalization of African Americans in this nation is a matter of record, and we do not acknowledge it to the extent that it manifests itself in all of the, the areas, employment, historically. It is, it is clear that we have a problem in this nation. And unfortunately, people like Colin Kaepernick don't present it in a way that we need to address it in a, a, an effective manner. He's, the, the optics are getting in the way of what he's trying to communicate. So I'm not in the... Yeah, in Spencer, when you speak Colin, out for communist regimes like he does, he's a clown. I'm sorry, I have no respect for the guy. Well, he has no idea what he's opinion. talking about. I, I've not heard him speak out for communist regimes. I, I've not I have. heard him speak out for communist regimes. One time, and you're Hannitized. Sean Hannity is back on the radio. All right, as we continue Sean Hannity show, we continue with our friends Spencer Tillman, Dan Bongino with us. They were discussing Colin Kaepernick, and, and Dan was pretty adamant in expressing his thoughts that he's a clown, and Spencer's taking issue with it. Dan, I'll let you finish your thought, and we'll let Spencer respond. Well, listen, the guy wears socks that depicted cops as pigs. What kind of principle is that? Is this guy serious? I mean, burglars would break into his house tomorrow and steal his stuff if it wasn't for a men and women in blue. He's a joke. 
The guy's a total farce. I mean, comparing him to, some, to, to anyone with principles who's actually fought the good fight is embarrassing. I, I'm serious. I have zero respect for him. And the fact that he's destroying the NFL, it, really, the people in the NFL should be really, really upset. Get this guy off the silence. You want to disrespect the anthem, do it in the locker room. If he had that kind of power to destroy the NFL, believe me, he wouldn't be alive right now. I don't think that would be the case. Again, the Sox, that's part of the optics. At 27, 28, By the way, I want to help my friend Spencer out. He wouldn't be alive right now. This is called a talk show. That is called hyperbole. It doesn't mean physically harming somebody by anybody in the NFL that would ever do that because Colin Kaepernick spoke out on his personal beliefs. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, again, ultimately what it amounts to is those are, again, gets back to the original comment about optics. The optics of the situation is what it is. He's a young man that made poor decisions. He's since got some counsel about that. That's the disappointing thing about all of this. The real issues are not being addressed here. We're dealing with the, the hyperbolic parts of it and the easily exploitable parts, the symbolic parts, pigs, socks with pigs on it, the afro, all of that stuff paints a picture and a narrative, and it gives someone an opinion about someone. Is it, the, is it, but what is, what is the more, or is it that he's taken the knee? Is it the socks more than whatever? I think it, I think it is people that are offended because the blanket statement that he's disrespecting the flag. And I think this, listen, if you read, the, go read. Do you, do you think encourage... he is when he does that? Do you think he is disrespecting the flag? Sean, you're a bright man and you know I love and respect you. Go read and listen to the second stanza of the lyrics that Spencer Scott Keat wrote. If you read that narrative, which we never sing, by the way, you'll understand exactly why people who are educated, white and black, understand, at least to a larger degree, the plight of people like Colin Kaepernick. When you look at the lyrics, just go read the lyrics. I encourage your listeners to go read the lyrics. We know it by song. heart. Everybody knows it. We, but I'm, well, I'm, no, I'm, everybody I'm doesn't know it, Sean. Everybody doesn't know it. You know the first stanza, but read the entire lyrics from the second Sansa. There, that's not. That's only a portion. Read the entire song, and when you put it in that context, people that function with the sense and awareness of history. Uh, no, listen. This is this is an incredible conversation. I mean, I don't know how else you accept the symbolism of wearing Castro, a killer communist, on your T-shirt and pigs as cops on your socks. I mean, listen, with all due respect, Spencer, the, the, the guy's a joke. What symbol is, I don't understand. Like, is there, was, is there an alternate way to interpret a cop depicted as a pig on someone's socks? Like, what's the alternate way? Like, we're, I don't get it. There's only one way to interpret that. That's to be a childish, immature jerk and to insult people who, by the way, make a, a, a one one thousandth of what this joker jerk makes on the sideline, go to work every day and put their cabooses on the line so people like Kaepernick can live in these multi-million dollar homes. And you put socks on, what are you, a funny guy? What is he, a comedian? You're a quarterback. Get on the field, you clown. Play the football. By the way, Lin- Linda has that second stanza. Let me let, let Linda go ahead read it. I did. I didn't know it by memory. I don't know if any of you did. No, I did it's, not. it's just a part here where it's. You talk, want to sing it, it for us? Or? No, no, I don't think so. Not today. But it just talks about you know. It Dan decries. and Spencer are really mad now that you won't sing I it. Think but go ahead. I think they're just Spencer's just happy that someone's going to validate this because nobody knows about this stanza, and so that this right. will give a little fuel to the fodder. But it talks about it's actually a third stanza, and it's decrying yep. former slaves that were working for the British Army, and it says their blood has washed out their foul footsteps. Pollution, no refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave and the star-spangled banner and triumph doth wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. So it's basically minimizing the, the black soldier as well as talking about the fact that he's an underling. Yeah. So, um, again, understand when people put their hand over the heart and they sing the star-spangled banner. 
There is another narrative that Francis Scott Key scripted and wrote to that. We don't think about it. Like much of history, most people are going on autopilot, and we and entropy sets in. The further we get away from the truth of history, our knowledge and understanding— Well, let me ask this question. Way- you, I, I could put you guys on for three hours one day, and I think this would be a really worthwhile conversation for the country, and, and it's a tribute to both of you. But do you agree with me that most, the majority, the overwhelming majority, Spencer, view racism as evil, which it Absolutely. is, repugnant— and disgusting Listen, and they civil, absolutely sean listen civil societies exist because the majority of people choose to obey the law if right. that was not the case we would not elected a barack obama i am an optimist in the strictest sense of the definition however we cannot have this convenient attitude about when people have this misgivings about history and when we begin to voice them. Privileged groups, I don't care if it's white, black, green, yellow, clubs, whatever the organization. Reinhold Niebuhr wrote this in his book, Moral Man, Immoral Society. Privileged groups rarely give up or share privilege without great and strong resistance. That's all I'm saying. And what we feel and what we see in the neo-Nazi reaction to this this nonviolent act in Charlottesville is part of that resistance. It is a small faction, but unfortunately they have a large voice right. and the inherent nature of where we are in our culture. I don't even think it's a loud platform. voice. I think they are a tiny, it's tiny, loud. insane. Loud. Yeah, but they're but, but but most people see them like, as insane. I mean, you do know that, that most people. The case, by the way, don't you amplified. see? When I when I praised the Boston protesters on Monday, what I said was there is a, a natural instinctive revulsion at people that want to associate themselves with that type of hatred. And the fact that 99 percent of them went out there and stood up, we ought to applaud them all because they did it. They did it peacefully. And the few little agitators that were there, the, the police handled perfectly. I thought it was a strong stand. And, yeah, and every conservative Dan Bongino that I know. You know, absolutely. I don't know these people uh, who they are. Would I ever want to know them? And it's not the conservative movement where I go sideways with people is when they try and brand falsely conservative as every two, four years. We get the same crap that racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. And and you've dealt with it in your career. You know, Sean, I was listening to your show after that uh, dreadful shooting of Steve Scalise. And, you know, I have my own little thing I put on. And you and I were both absolutely unequivocal and crystal clear on this point. For as much as we can't stand Bernie Sanders' ideological views, he was in no way responsible for the acts of a derangement. Not at all. And I said it at the time. You said it a thousand times on the show because I listened that day, I listened the next day, and I heard you say it. And every conservative out there with credibility said the same thing. But what happened with these lunatics, this, this guy in Charlottesville? Some maniac who has absolutely nothing to do with pure conservative values and the respect for God-given big R rights kills a woman tragically, horrifically, and all of a sudden every conservative in the country is supposed to apologize? Well, are you insane? Like, condemn? Absolutely, of course. But apologize for what? We have nothing to do with these neo-Nazi maniacs. You know, the Republican Party is the party that fought Jim Crow, that fought slavery, that fought for big R rights. Do people forget this? I mean, you want to talk about history, Spencer? That's real history. The real history of freedom and liberty is the history of the Republican Party. It has nothing to do whatsoever with Democrats and their, their tendency to pin every single act of a, of a I don't know if I want to on Republicans. Spencer, you can bail out because I, I, I know this. You don't do a lot of politics. And this is the thing that frustrated me on the whole thing is, you know, I, I went back to 1991 and I have a tape of Donald Trump 
condemning Duke and racism and white supremacy and and him saying it to Matt Lauer 20 years ago and him saying it all throughout the campaign and him saying it all throughout Charlottesville. And and so I and also knowing the man and knowing his business and knowing the people he associates with and knowing the people that he brought into his campaign. I know it all of yeah. all races, creeds, colors and backgrounds. I'll finish this one thought. And the only thing I'm, I'm going to say is the media would never tell that part of the story. And they never tell the part of the story where Hillary Clinton just seven years ago was praising a guy that was a former Klansman and claimed that he was one of the, the greats of all time in politics and her mentor. And J. William Fulbright, well, Bill Clinton praised him as his mentor. And he signed on to the Southern Manifesto, and you keep saying that we need to know our history. Well, I wouldn't be praising somebody that signed on to the Southern Manifesto to go against the Supreme Court and their decision on Brown versus Board of Education. And the the segregationists, J. William Fulbright, like Robert Byrd, were against the Civil Rights Act of 64 and the Voting Rights Act of 65. And Lyndon Johnson, to get those historic bills passed, relied on the Republicans to get it done, not the Democrats and not the people the Clintons praise. Yeah, and the reason why those types of things happen is because everything moves toward decay. Listen, if you go to Europe right now, I guarantee you, you will not find a high school with Hitler's name on the side of it, right? Why is that? There is a part of the country that believes, the, the continent that believes and understands the travesty that that represented. And to think that someone at any point in time in history would subsequently come back and name a school after someone that was responsible for, for so much is, is reprehensible in a similar way. So 57, there are, wait a minute, there are 57 highway schools monuments, including the West Virginia State House in West Virginia, that praise Robert Byrd, the former Klansman. Should they be taken down? That's, I, 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 here's what I'm saying. The consciousness should be reexamined for why they were there in the first place. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thinking that needs to go into any decisions that are made. We need to go back and look at all traditions and examine them. And if they fail in providing definitive enough support that they support what America stands for, they should always be reexamined. And yes, in light of new information, People are reintroducing to the legal system all the time. It's not new. We've always known that Byrd was a former Klansman. We and always so knew J. William Fulbright was against the Southern Manifesto. And, and so, so answer your own question. That should be an indictment to anybody that did it. Anybody that authorized that, that should be brought But I, I guess what I'm saying, Spencer, is I'm talking about the double standard because they have ignored Trump's history. And they are trying to bludgeon him that he didn't say it enough times the right way. And meanwhile, there's this history over the course of his life where he has... There's also the Clintons' history, where they have praised people that did support the Southern Manifesto, that did even filibuster the Civil Rights Act in the case of Byrd. Al Gore's father was one of them voted against it, and the history is the Republicans supported it. And they were never bludgeoned the way Donald Trump is getting bludgeoned. I'm, look, I'm not trying to drag you deep into politics. You're a friend. And no, I, that's okay. Listen, no, I, I just stay out of that. Sean, what I will do is talk about human nature. And the fact of the matter is— And there's good and evil. It's, it's, yes, it is good and evil, and it is yet very predictable. This is all part of a struggle that must be. Time does a number on all of us. There was a time when Muhammad Ali was reviled. They sent him to jail for his beliefs and what he stood up for. And I cannot think of a more iconic figure than to see him with that cauldron in his hand, trembling from, from Parkinson's at that point. Was there a more popular person in the world than Muhammad Ali? What he did then was no different and no less unjust now than when and he through did the, Listen, the I'll say this. Through the prism of history, 
58,000 American heroes and America's treasure died in a war that became politicized. And we can't ask these brave men and women to do that ever again. All right, I want to get a response from Dan Bongino. You know, Sean, the problem with this is this is a very slippery slope. Spencer makes a good point. You know, that listen, there are obviously still a lot of open wounds about what happened in our history of a country with race, which is always going to be trouble. The problem I have with this is this, is this was a problem all over the world. We were the one country on earth that, as you accurately stated, forfeited hundreds of thousands of lives to wipe the stain of slavery clean. Now, if we're going to start wiping down monuments and taking down monuments, where does it end? I mean, where does, are we basing it on what, a level of imperfection? What level of imperfection? If it offends one group, what if it offends another group? I mean, listen, what about statues of FDR? I mean, he was responsible for the internment of Japanese during World War II. Do we take that down? The problem I have with this is the slippery slope never ends. It's time to acknowledge our history. It's not sanitized. It's not perfect. It's not clean. Sometimes it was ugly, but we are still the greatest and most prosperous country on earth. We should acknowledge the history, acknowledge our imperfections, and move on and stop catering to liberal snowflakes' feelings about everything. And, Sean, if this was such a big deal, by the way, why was right, this Let me get a quick response, and i got to take a break. Uh, Spencer. I agree with Dan, what he just said. We cannot have knee-jerk reactions to wait, this. Wait, wait, wait. Don't you, no, no, no. You can't agree because you're ruining my program. <laughs> no, no, I no, mean, no, no, just I'm stop. Not, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is what I'm getting ready to disagree with. The focus should be on education. Only after people Agreed. understand the truth can we make a conscious choice and decisions about what you are we know so, as a nation. But you know something? Look at the mysterious reluctance and resistance, especially, and this becomes political for me, because conservatives have been saying, let local municipalities, towns, and cities decide. Let the states decide, because they're going to have an active role. Thank you, Spencer Tillman. Thank you, Dan Bongino. Love you both. And uh, I'll have you back. This is a, a great hour and I think an enlightening one. We appreciate it. You got it. You bet. Take care. Take care. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. things up for today. Let not your heart be troubled. Hannity, tonight, 10 Eastern on the Fox News channel. We're going to prove to you we've got the tape to destroy Trump media, Trump derangement syndrome, Governor Mike Huckabee. And interestingly, Sarah Huckabee Sanders from the White House, the press secretary, will join us. We're going to talk about how important the next three months are for the Republican Party if they ever want to stay relevant and in power. Pat Buchanan joins us. We'll see you tonight at 10 and back here tomorrow. And always thank you for being with us. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, he's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie, and uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.